On Saturday, October 12th, you can catch Twisted Philly Podcast live with acclaimed paranormal podcast Hillbilly Horror Stories at the Philadelphia Ethical Society on Rittenhouse Square in Philadelphia. The event begins around 6-ish. We'll start with a meet and greet. Jeremy Collins from Podcasts We Listen To will be joining us as MC. Then Jerry and Tracy from Hillbilly Horror Stories will take the stage. They're coming all the way up from Kentucky to visit the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection and meet Twisted Philly listeners. After Jerry and Tracy, I'll share some of my favorite Philadelphia haunted history, tales I haven't shared on the podcast, which will only be available at the live show. Jeremy will host an Ask Us Anything. You can even get on the mic with your own paranormal experiences if you'd like to share. There will be time to shop for merchandise. We'll have giveaways. I'll have some prizes. It's going to be a spooky good time, getting everyone in the mood for Halloween. Tickets are just $20 for two live podcast shows on one night. I've got a link for tickets on Twitter and Facebook, and there's also information on Instagram. You won't want to miss this. We're going to have a blast. If you prefer to head home a little early, we'll be wrapping up before 9.30, so it won't be a late night. Or if you're up for spending a little time in the city, you can join me and Jeremy, Jerry and Tracy for a night out after the show. Rittenhouse Square has some of the best bars and restaurants in the city, just blocks from the Ethical Society. We can't wait to see you on the 12th. And we're the, the Ghouls Next Door. Door. And we are continuing our representation series. Yeah. Yes. Um, and for uh, today, we are going to be talking about how people with disabilities are represented in horror, which we have, I'm sure, touched upon previously in like random episodes, but this episode is all about it. And we have invited a special guest to help us talk about this. So we've invited Pascal uh, Ballet of Liberty Resources and ADAPT. So Welcome, first off. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm so excited. Yeah. Um, and I guess, like, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and why um, they should trust you when we tell them to. Yeah, so um, I have an invisible disability, much like one of the co-hosts here. Me! Um, <laughs> not to out anybody, but, you know, <laughs> disability pride, you know, yeah. what's up? Uh, <laughs> um, and I've been working at Liberty Resources for the past four years. It's the Center for Independent Living here in Philadelphia. Um, we basically advocate with people with disabilities, not for them, with them. Mm-hmm. Um, our main goal is to get folks out of nursing institutions and back into the community, but we have a huge intersectional uh, advocacy sort of platform that we do. We talk about sexuality, housing, employment, um, so many things. Um, and it's just, we're actually a really cool group. I'm really yeah. excited to like work for our work. <laughs> I'm in my mid thirties and I've, I've never loved my job before, before working here. Oh, that's oh, awesome. That's I also really love Liberty Resources. And also you're a part of a really cool activist group. 
Adapt. Adapt. Yeah. So um, originally, Adapt came from the name Americans with Disabilities for Accessible Public Transportation, but they've since um, really expanded their scope to anything regarding people with disabilities on the federal, state, or city level. Um, anytime you're in Philadelphia and you see folks in wheelchairs chaining themselves to SEPTA buses, that's us. <laughs> nice. You know, we're the ones who are blocking traffic. We're the ones who are, you know, doing sit-ins and die-ins at a local uh, politicians' offices. Um, like, I don't know if you guys remember that movie, Me Before You. It sounds. Familiar. It does sound familiar. Yeah. So, sure. not to go too in depth into another movie, but uh, <laughs> yeah, do it. <laughs> it. It's about this handsome young playboy, is millionaire, and he gets hit by a car and acquires, I believe, quadriplegia. And Khaleesi from Game of Thrones uh, is his attendant. Yes. They fall in love. Everything's wonderful. Oh, I yes, yes. I heard. And this. he can't stand to be this burden on her any longer. And so he opts for assisted suicide to leave her all of his money so that she could live the life that she deserves. <laughs> okay. But having to take care of somebody, you know. And so all of the people that you know we serve and the people in our um, activist group adapt. We were like, this is ridiculous. We yeah. never get to see ourselves represented as, you know, a romantic interest. And this is what we get. And so we went to the movie theater down by Columbus Boulevard. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that or not. <laughs> but we had a die-in. Like, people crawled out of their wheelchairs. I had chalk, and I chalked outline all oh their bodies. Gosh. We had the media there. We were, like, <laughs> shaming people going to go see the movie. It was, like, a Tuesday. I got paid to do that. It was great. That's awesome. <laughs> I love my job. So, <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know what? I wish we could do that for a lot of these, especially with this rep, like representation series. Yeah, how cool would that be? If we be? could just go and be like, no more this. Right. These people, you need to change. <laughs> we need to change our representation. How about you put the people that you're representing like behind the pen and paper or behind the yes. camera and we can tell our own stories. Yeah. How about that? And then it's actually done correctly. Yeah. Is that ridiculous? <laughs> Is that too much to ask? Like, yeah. <laughs> I think like, most of the world says yes. Yeah. <laughs> It's there. like the, the it's like all the like fancy people, the fancy chairs. They're, yes, they're, they're remarkably incorrect. Men money, <laughs> and they're sitting there like, ah, I don't like change. Yes, Mister <laughs> Moneybags. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, it's, it's, I like my narratives. Yes, <laughs> yes, we or need more versions <laughs> of other narratives. We need more cishet white males. <laughs> what do you mean, women in Marvel? The real oppressed class. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, they were marching. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> we're just like, what do you mean? You Great always ride. matter. Like, more than everyone. That's Why are you point. upset? <laughs> Yes, which is um, exactly why we have things like this podcast. So if you can't tell, this episode's going to be super fun. We're talking about disability, how it's represented in horror. um, And spoiler, it's pretty bad usually. It is, there is a turning point. I feel like we are coming up on some things that are getting better, and we will highlight those. So we're going to talk about the films Hush and A Quiet Place. We will touch upon some things that you might hear. Um... Other movies that did bad jobs, right? Uh, but primarily those two, because they, they got some good stuff going on. Um, so stay tuned. So we are talking about disability in horror and specifically the ways that 
it is used as a tool generally, the tropes that we encounter, some of the real life horrors that people encounter, right? Um, what I kind of wanted to, to pick your brain about Pascal first is just as like a general thing, it doesn't have to be horror, but what are some, like you've already kind of touched on it, but what are some things that you've seen on film in reference to people with disabilities and how they're usually portrayed? Yeah, I mean, there seems to be like maybe one or two really two-dimensional portrayals of people with disabilities. Um, a lot of the stereotypes are that they're really passive, that they're ineffectual as people, that they're asexual. That's mm -hmm. a huge stereotype about people with disabilities. Um, basically, that the disability is somehow a weakness or um, something that counts against them as people, makes them less fun, makes them curmudgeonly, um, makes them less of a person, when in fact, Disability is just part of the beautiful, diverse tapestry that humanity has. Mm -hmm. um, like one in five people in the world have a disability, and that's more common than people who are natural redheads. So <laughs> yeah. it's not a bizarre thing to have. It's mm -hmm. not a abnormal thing to experience. Um, and in fact, the longer you live, the higher likelihood that you're going to join our community. Um, and it's an equal opportunity, you know, minority experience. It really is. Um, yeah. At any point in time, somebody could join our community. Today. Join our community today. But yeah, and so, you know, people with disabilities tend to be the reason why people get, like, maybe caught. In, like in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, mm. you know, there's the brother who's a wheelchair user, and he is constantly whining and complaining, and he's constantly a drag on the group. He's constantly a deterrent, something that's distracting from the group, from the group's ability to survive. Um, like, he, he provides almost nothing to the group's survival. Um, mm -hmm. Or even, even before the the threat occurs to the group he's just a negative he had to come because everyone felt bad that mm. they didn't invite him like there was n like there's there's never anything positive or valuable about the person who has a disability because that is all that they are all that they are is their disability yes yeah, i feel like we see it like so the whole representation series it's like every time anyone has a thing that's different they're just like that's all they are that's all they are all they, they have are. no other component right. to them and it's like it's not how life is. Right. Like, people exist and they are so many different We are multi-dimensional, fully realized creatures. Yeah. All of us. We contain <laughs> multitudes. To quote Walt Whitman, you know, we are large. We contain multitudes. You can have a disability and a mental illness and some talents and like a bunch <laughs> of other things going on. It's like, oh, don't get me started on the inspiration porn that I see on, on Facebook all the time. So oh, inspiration God, porn, it. for people who don't know, it's when usually able-bodied people or people without disabilities, they see someone with a disability accomplish something and they say oh like that's amazing what's your excuse yeah you know like and so you see all these people on like America's Got Talent who might be blind or deaf and it turns out they can play an instrument or sing <laughs> yeah. and it's regarded as the most amazing mind-blowing thing as if like because their disability they had disability that they were just assumed to be worthless yeah as if they don't have talent or skills or something to offer society yeah. it's like part of having a disability is just part of who you are it's like being, you know, like being white or being American or being straight or queer is just part of who you are, mm -hmm. you know? 
Yeah. It's not all you are. It's not all you are. Absolutely. It can be an important part of who you are, but it's nowhere near like the entirety of who you are. Maybe that person just wants to go about their life, you know, like just because it's like people with disabilities and you're like, they can sometimes like do certain tasks in a slower or different way than able-bodied people can or the people without disabilities do. And that doesn't mean that they want your help. You know, Mm -hmm. that means that they're doing their task their own way in their own time. And they most of the time want to do it on their own. Yeah. And it's like, so not even just speaking from like my own experience, like speaking from my own experience, but not personally like about my own experience of having disabilities. My grandpa, when I was little, the day before I was born, he chopped off his fingers in his hand because he was so nervous about me being born. And he had to wear, like, a... He got, like, severe nerve damage. They sewed the fingers back on. La, da, da. This is... I don't know if that's, like, a lot of gross stuff I'm saying. Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> it happened. Um, and they sewed it all back on. And then he had a lot of nerve damage. And he had to wear, like, this glove for compression. He would do this thing where he would twitch. And I, like, grew up with that. And it was just, like... And he would always get so mad when anyone tried to help him with anything. Right. So we would be, like, no. Like, he's got it. Let him go. Like... My grandma would try to cut his food for him. Like, stop cutting his food for him. He wants to cut him himself. And it's like me and my mom would always like defend him in that situation. But it was like, it was a very eye-opening thing for me as someone who had not yet discovered they had a disability to be like, yeah, I can do stuff myself. And like (laughs) like, him being like, stop helping me. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. Well, especially a nice shaping thing for my future. Always assume capability. You know? Yeah, and like if somebody looks like they need help, ask and then wait until if they say yes or no. And if say if they say no, I don't need help. Don't be offended. And if yeah. they say yes, wait until they tell you how to help them. But it's so easy for people who aren't seeing that every day that if they see someone who's like in a wheelchair, you're just like, oh, I'll just yeah, I, uh, like impose upon you my helping. Which is just Absolutely. inaccurate. Absolutely. You know, people think they want to be like gold star, you know, good Samaritans. Um, but ableism is one of the most like understung oppressions that exists in our society. Mm-hmm. Um, so many people just have this sort of like infantilization of people with disabilities. Um, yeah. We think that they're fragile and we think that they need taken care of. And we don't consider them to be full grown adults. Yeah. Who are fully capable of doing things on their own in their own way, just like every one of us. Yeah. And I think a lot of the films um, in kind of like what I found in my research was that it's just very ableist in its thinking. And there are a few like gems in here where we are seeing a change. And I'm super excited to like one I haven't seen yet, but I read about it and I was like, I I have to go watch this. Like, I have to see this now. Um, And it's in, like, a franchise. So it's just, like, how... That's crazy that this franchise is being so, like, awesome. Wait, which one is that? Uh, It is actually the Chucky franchise. So Chucky? Yes. What? Mm -hmm. So uh, in Curse of Chucky and uh, another one... So Kristen Lopez, who's actually a writer on many, like, film blogs and, and resources on specifically disability in film. Um, and so she was talking on a, a podcast, um, which I'll remember in a moment, <laughs> but she uh, talked about uh, Curse of Chucky and Cult of Chucky, where there is a protagonist who's disabled, who's always been, like, she was born in, like, and is, has always been in a wheelchair, but she's, like, the protagonist and in no way is, like, 
that a hindrance like it's just a part of what's happening and in yes. the second one she actually has like a relationship <gasps> and goes on to have sex with like <gasps> an able-bodied it. man <gasps> when like it's not like disgust or anything oh, it's just like yes. so it's just a part of it yeah i was like when you were talking about that i was like yes there's so it, it exists amazing. i was like now, now i have, I have to get to back in it. here yeah <laughs> now i have to watch it <laughs> i have to get back involved in the chucky series <laughs> i knew it was only a matter of time um yeah there's like i you know there's a lot that has been kind of perpetuated throughout uh, film in regards to disability and specifically in horror. Like in, in some of the tropes that we see with disabilities are kind of similar or like a, a take on from other tropes that we see um, that I found was really interesting. It's it's like I was saying, like if someone is different in any way, we're like, you're this now. Like you yeah, just you know serve this purpose. Right? <laughs> like, and so um, like there's essentially like this idea that there's um the trope of the like magically disabled person so so the magical negro right that we talked about in our african um uh, american women in horror uh we have this idea of someone who is disabled but they're because of that they now have unlocked something that the rest of us people can't see or know sacrifice something to gain yeah yeah (laughs) or like you're i don't know jessica elba in the eye and you're blind but now you see because she's blind now she sees things that we don't see in this like different way right Right. like you just that like you're literally just this tool right and um i will say that one of the films that we talk about does have a little bit of that in there um where someone's disability like is the like the route out i guess like the inequalities (laughs) yes yep (laughs) yes um but there's also um the uh kristen lopez again uh she uh has dubbed it the tiny tim character so it's the one that we're just supposed to like feel bad for. Mm-hmm. It's just there to yeah. evoke sympathy and to just like be like, oh, I'm sad, <laughs> or like you know, or charm just for that moment. Like, oh, because it's essentially inspiration porn, right. but right. on screen um, in the way of that. But that's all they're there for is just to do that. But well, that's what we saw in Midsummer. Yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Where the Ruben, dis- yeah, disabled character is literally a like prophet. Yes. And yeah. It was, yeah. It was like, what? Yeah. You I was mention like, him any other time. He's literally here for a second. And then you just keep showing his face mm-hmm. and I'm drawing stuff. And oh, it was yeah. like, why? I, I have so much to say about Ruben and Midsummer. But yeah, um, the disability, the, 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 the characters with disabilities through, it was implied to us through inbreeding, correct? Yes. It was inbreeding. Which is mm-hmm. like Dead. obviously problematic, you know, and, <laughs> yes. and, you know, a big trope in horror. Again, same thing in uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, mm-hmm. Leatherface. Um, but, and in Hills Have Eyes, like, yep. it's like, there's so many films where it's like disability is a product of some sort of taboo or a sin or whatever your yeah. lens is of society, you know? That's one. It's like, you did this, now it's this, mm-hmm. now. Well, and the thing I, I found very interesting is when we make, we make the disabled character, so when we take away just like the magical, like they're the, uh, not a protagonist, but like a tool for the protagonist, right. we move in over to the villain, right? So when they're a villain, the... What I find, and the major problem I had with Ruben in Midsummer, right, is that his very existence was to be feared. Like, he didn't do anything, right? He was just there. But, like, it was literally, like, to see him on screen so people would cringe. Right. right? And it's like, that's just this, this man just, just living. He's right. just living here. Right. He, he didn't make himself this, right? Like, he was born, and now everyone's 
Like, he literally was created for that purpose. Um, but that's kind of, like, what they are. Like, where they're, um, they are a result of, like, uh, sinful acts. So you have things like, you know, um, Wrong Turn, Hills of Eyes, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But the problem with it is that we have, like, these, like, one, you're, they're inbred, so they're, like, monstrous in that way. But then they're also, like cannibals too yeah i mean it's this, it's this really unfortunate intersection of class and disability right yeah where like we consider like the appalachian poor and you know to be this like hick hillbilly mm-hmm. like lawless in a really criminal uh perverse type of way yeah. and then when we add the uh, physicality of a disability on top of it it creates even a more image of the grotesque yeah Absolutely. And in what I thought was something that I found interesting was even thinking about um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre mm-hmm. with Leatherface and him putting people's faces on his own. And like that act in itself is just like he clearly does not see himself as, you know, good and that he finds himself to be. And, and that's why he's murdering people who look otherwise than him. Um, and then he's putting in their faces on him. Like it's all such other a, face needs is love. <laughs> yes. You just need someone to be like, just you're love. beautiful the way you are. Exactly. That's what he needs. He needs some Christina Aguilera <laughs> singing to him and he would have been fine. They, we wouldn't have the chainsaw and he's just kind of doing that really slow run at the end. And it's kind of, that's a great scene. It's a really good to any music. It's one of my favorite horror movies. It's your very first sex chainsaw. Great. Massacre. Yeah, and I mean, or even um, thinking about uh, Phantom of the Opera. Oh, yeah. That one comes yep. up a lot. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like literally, he was so grotesque in that he hid away, and now he's a villain because he found love. Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yes. Oh, don't. I, that was my movie growing up. Was Hunchback of Notre Dame. I had a huge crush on Esmeralda. Yeah. Sidebar. <laughs> yeah, that's real. I all, I live my life that aspiring to be Esmeralda. That was real. <laughs> yes, I'm, you know, like they're like, give me justice, and I'm like, yes, <laughs> that is me. Um, and I always just like, why? Doesn't she end up with I never understand. Like, she has to have this, sm- like, smashing blonde, like, authority he figure. He won't treat you right, baby. Yeah, he doesn't <laughs> know. He doesn't know. He does it now. Um, uh, but in the second one, he does find love. Oh, Hunchback of Notre Dame oh, 2 is about him, and he gets a girlfriend. So oh. just for everyone who might be wondering. Um, is but she, does she also have a disability? No. <gasps> See, I was literally, like, worried in the same way. I was like, I swear. Clearly the best guy in town. He's, like, so nice. (laughs) And that's kind of, like, what we we met. Even, like, Phantom of the Opera, right? Like, if he just was able to get outside and function like a person instead of being cast out here and be like she totally would have loved him yeah possibly or at least given the chance right that it can mean so many different things that we're not all just one thing mm-hmm. we yes, have girl. invisible <laughs> disabilities we have out in the open disabilities <laughs> that out in the open disabilities can be physical neurological it can be mental like yep, it's just absolutely. all over the spectrum absolutely. of life and existence and mm-hmm. that it's not just one thing and it really irritates yeah. me. It just, like, upsets <laughs> me on, like, such a fundamental Yeah. <laughs> that it's just, like, everyone thinks, like, one, that you have to be able to see a disability for it to exist. Yes. Yeah. That, like, for myself, if you didn't know, I have narcolepsy. Um, that, like, people, for most of my life, were just like, you're just sad. Like, I had to go <laughs> to a doctor and, like, be like, I am not leaving 
until you test me Hell for yeah. something. I was like crying. I was like, I will not leave Hell here. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. I'm yeah. so glad you stood up for yourself that yeah. way. And it's like, yeah, we have to be our own advocate most of the time. Isn't, and uh, that's the biggest crime. When people like act like they need to save you when honestly at the end of the day, nine times out of ten, you have to be your own advocate. Yeah. And I had to, like, fight this doctor. And it was a new doctor. I had, like, gone to, like, seven different ones. And it's, like, from the time I was, like, 15 until 22. And it was just, like, someone needs to believe me because I'm getting to the point where it's, like, I'm going to die. (laughs) And y'all are just telling me I'm fine. I'm not fine. It's not because I'm sad. I'm sad because I feel like this, not because. Right, right. (laughs) I don't feel like this because I'm sad. I'm sad because I feel like this. And it's awful. And I need y'all to fix it or do something or just, like. Do something. Yeah. And then it's like, after that, it's like, oh, are you faking it? Is it real? I don't know. Like, people just don't really have a grasp of what it is. Narcolepsy, specifically, because it's, like, very under-researched, underfunded, Mm -hmm. under everything. Not a lot of people, like, know they even have it. It gets misdiagnosed a lot, too. So it's just like... Do you feel like if you were a man, they would have believed you sooner? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Gabe said that when I was telling her the story. She was like, you know, that's a thing with women, too. It's just like, you know, (laughs) they just think you're loud and complaining. Intersectionality. And it's like, oh, it would have been really cool if I was born with a penis, maybe. And then they were just like, oh, yeah, something must be wrong with you. (laughs) Men don't cry and get sad. (laughs) You must have a disease. Instead of being, calm down, you hysterical woman. It was just like, that was rude. I also just think it's like real rude that um generally it's just like one that how it's portrayed in film is just like that they're a burden and like the whole Mm -hmm. film you were talking about at the beginning of this i was just like yo yeah (laughs) yo (laughs) because like honestly the amount of times i've like just said on a first day i was like i have narcolepsy Mm -hmm. and then i just wait and i'll see if i like ever hear from them again because i'm just like my existence is a potential deal breaker. Yeah. I was like, wrote a song about it. I was like, this is a really fun song. Because you know the funny thing about Incurable is it doesn't go away. <laughs> it's yeah. like, yeah, it's like, and it's not a problem if you're like a person that's nice and have patience. And it's just like really rude. That's how I feel about disability yeah. representation in life and then in horror and then like in all the things. So I just think it's really interesting that we walk this really like complex line between wanting to be acknowledged as capable and competent human beings in the ways that we are and seeking empathy and understanding in the ways that like we do need help and it's so like interesting to me how like people have such a hard time grasping that and it's like we want to be respected as people who can do stuff and like let to do those things but then also like when we can't then it's like oh yeah please understand don't like be like Oh, you're just doing this for attention, or you're faking it. You're like, just being like, I'm a nice person, and I care about you. Clearly something's happening, and how can I help? This? Yeah. What's yeah, I mean, as a society, in general, we tend to have this idea that if you're vulnerable or in need help, that there's no power in that. Mm. When in actuality, like, all of us need help at some point in time. Like, no one has an entirely self-sufficient life. We all require help from each other. We all like interdependence is a thing. It's what helped like Homo sapiens become what we are today. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so like vulnerability is powerful and it's beautiful. And asking for help is this is is the same. Um, and just because you need help in certain ways that are maybe less normalized doesn't make it any less powerful or or righteous or valuable.
talk about uh, Hush and A Quiet Place, um, which is what our we, our assigned viewing was for this, right? We watched things uh, specifically. <laughs> so <laughs> we did that. Uh, yeah. So we, uh, we'll start with Hush, because that's the older one. So um, Hush is from 2016. It is directed by Mike Flanagan, who also wrote it alongside his wife, Kate Siegel, who stars in it. Um, Mike Flanagan is um, the director of A Haunting of Hill House and Oculus. So uh, Hush, if you guys have not seen it, it was something that we considered doing for our um, home invasion episodes um, or our isolated inside episode, but we were like, no, we want it to be about um, like her being deaf, right? So um, it is about a deaf and mute writer who retreated into the woods to live a solitary life and now she must fight for her life in silence when a mass killer appears at her window. Um, and it is starring Kate Siegel, who is not deaf, um, which does affect the film a little Absolutely. bit. Um, for anyone who's like, like, I mean, for anyone who hasn't experienced like, like trying to interpret or, or understand ASL or someone who is deaf, you probably didn't notice, but people notice. <laughs> so I think that um, there's this one part in the very beginning when the neighbor comes and she's like, Hi, I've been learning sign language. And Kate Siegel says, oh, you're going to have to sign. I could read lips. Like, no deaf person would ever say that. <laughs> like, no deaf person would ever just say to somebody who was making an effort to communicate with them, oh, don't worry. <laughs> don't make an effort to communicate with me. It's fine. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and there's also like this mix of like, like what this person is capable of doing, right? So the main character, like, the one thing we were laughing about is like she has like no peripheral vision, yeah, <laughs> like, she, and, like, and like no sense of vibrations, yeah, yeah. Like, like when again when the the um the neighbor is being killed against the kitchen window and she's like pounding on the window for her life that the deaf woman has no idea what's going on. Like, yeah. That's ridiculous. Like, <laughs> you know, sense and vibrations. And yeah, you would absolutely sense. sense the vibrations. She would absolutely either see it in the peripheral vision or feel the vibration. Yeah, and she, like, even later uses vibration to kind of feel where the killer is. Right, underneath the deck, yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. So it's just, like, she clearly can. Like, so what are we, like, what are you doing? Um, Pick it and choose it. (laughs) Exactly. Um, What I thought was interesting, so when we first watched it, I thought it was was really great. I was like, this is a cool new idea. Like, I watched it um, with a friend of mine who actually um, knows ASL Mm -hmm. and is uh, studying, I think she's done, uh, studying to be an ASL interpreter and, like, do work in that field. So I was like, let's watch this movie together. And, like, we screamed and we cried and we laughed. (laughs) Um, It was really fun. Um, And it was just also, like, fun to, to... be near because she was like teaching me little bits of sign language too so we could like see it. I was like oh I know that one <laughs> like even like when we like rewatched it I was like oh yeah I still know these things <laughs> um and it's it's interesting so for anyone who hasn't seen it it's essentially like if you took the strangers but our protagonist is deaf and mute right so that's kind of like what your pitch would be <laughs> like the boardroom yeah. like all right imagine this but instead right so the it, that gives us some interesting, stressful situations, right? Um, Like, in the fact that he's, like, there's those points where he's there um, and she's just, like, not aware of it because she can't hear and he's, like, tapping on the window or he's, like, 
singing things and she doesn't see him. But at the same time, it's like in The Strangers, <laughs> there's so many scenes yeah. where they're in the background in the window and we as viewers see it and we're screaming at her and she's just like, I'm Liv Tyler, what do I care? Start off wrong. She's in the window. Uh, she didn't have peripheral vision either. So I guess that's just like a protagonitis thing <laughs> like where you just can't see what's around you. Um, but we have this character um, who's deaf and we have also this like villain who doesn't have a motive and he doesn't like he doesn't matter outside of the fact that he's trying to kill this woman he apparently hates women and just is trying to enact this rape fantasy through, yeah it's just like violence yeah just and, and and what it happens is so he he we the first half like the first part of the movie is just to establish like yes this woman is deaf right it's just like her friend comes over to Stellar's sign language we see little different things that she would do that are different we get uh, introduced to her fire alarm which is a flashing light which I thought was really cool and is very loud um, so the vibrations again that you would feel would be there yeah, her whole thing is like when I'm sleeping it will wake me up yeah of vibrations. <laughs> but I can't feel the vibration I can't hear Amanda, which is I'm sure why the friend was like probably slamming herself on the door but the this fear happens when the the her friend who was i was really sad when she died because it was like she was was so nice um i really wanted them to get together i had a little like queer lady (laughs) like like, but what if it's like forget john or whatever that man's name is like you know you two were made for each other they're like texting each other and like grinning at the phone like don't tell me y'all i don't i straight up think his name was craig the the boyfriend yeah, yeah the ex boyfriend was, was Craig but the Craig. the, the, the friend's yeah, yeah the friend's boyfriend was John gotcha I'm okay. pretty sure and so uh, when the horror kicks off is that the friend is being murdered tragically and she's like banging on the window and all this stuff and then the the villain then sees her and like is like why didn't she n- notice he surmises that she's deaf very very quickly yes like he kind of like he's just like what and then he does like, a few tests he yeah. did and then he <laughs> did like come in and then he he saw her sign and was like facetiming with her sister mm-hmm. and then left and that was one Took of her the phone. yeah that was one of the scariest moments was like she uh, writes on the window like didn't see your face or whatever um, boyfriend coming home and then he like repeats like exactly Verbeam. what her yeah. her conversation was which is like and also crazy just takes off the mask which was yeah, like yeah that was, yeah, that was oh hard. god you're yeah. totally just does not kill care. Me. yeah exactly. just this wants is your to murder goal. yeah but it, it it um there are so many really awesome things in it and that she is not a victim like she's getting like she's getting pretty hurt there's a lot of times in that but that's like kind of a natural thing but she's always trying like she's, she's always fighting yeah she is always trying to figure out a way out she's like out of the house she's in the house she's upstairs she's on the roof she's in the woods she's over here um and i i found that really exhilarating right it was like kind of like a milder version of like your next where yeah. it was like that home invasion, and she just like was like, a, what was she like a doomsday prepper? So she like had like she like um, home alone the house, booby trapped it. But instead, it was like more realistic of like, what do you do if you're there? Um, I was like, it's your house. You know your house really well. Just like, don't. <laughs> what are you doing? I don't know. Um, but it was super exciting. Um, there was, there's a blog, um, by a woman, Rebecca Ann Withy, I hope I'm saying your name right, uh, where she reviewed the movie Hush, and she is, um, someone who's deaf, and so some things that she found 
that were ridiculous was like the fact that she could read lips from someone who's like really, really far away. And who was like slack jawed. Like yeah. he was barely moving his mouth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he like spoke like he was trying to not express right. what he was saying. Yeah, because yeah. he was supposed to be unemotional and all. Um, and then she also said that her lip pattern changed from being non existent to overly accentuating and it wasn't consistent. Yeah, the one thing that I noticed from her sign language is that there was no expression in her face. Mm. Um, like when she was showing her friend the sign for um, the the curse be a, the, the B word. <laughs> yes. Um, she did the sign, but her face was completely expressionless. Yeah. Um, and so much of AXL ASL is like the expression, like your eyebrows and and your face, and when she's saying like, oh yeah, it gets really loud, and like if a native ASL speaker was seeing it, you would see their entire body yeah. being used to to speak to communicate. Um, and so for that, it was really clear to me that it was a hearing actress performing ASL, not necessarily a native speaker, because they, they she was only utilizing her hands and not her face on her whole body. Yeah. ASL is an incredibly expressive language. Yeah, it's like when you see the interpreters at, like, rap concerts. Yes. That's, like, one of my favorite things to watch, and they get really into it. Or, like, I watch You see Waka Flocka, who didn't know what she was doing, and she <laughs> yeah, thought that she was dancing. Start, yeah. And she, like, he tried to, like, emulate so her signs because she thought that she was dancing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like Chance the Rapper did a whole video with his Chance interpreter. Is great for mm-hmm. having the, the interpreters. Yeah. yeah, he was like, we're going to do this whole, like, he did a whole video just to talk on Instagram about it. Yeah, I yeah, remember that. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Like, even, like, when you watch, like, instructional videos on YouTube for ASL, there's always, like, little subtitles that are, like, accentuate your eyebrows. Right, like, yeah. Does, like, it's a question with your face, or, like, if you're no, you're, like, shaking your head, and, like, you're just kind of, like, putting all, like, and then they move so fast, <laughs> usually, but she was just, like, very slowly moving her hands to tell the story. Um, I think what was really interesting about this film was that because she is deaf and mute, there's only there's less than 15 minutes of dialogue yeah. in this whole film, mm-hmm. which was great. And I feel like people don't, like, you don't even really realize because it's just action. I get where it went wrong, but I did very much enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it was like one of those things where it's like, you clearly, like, tried. You could have cast somebody who was actually deaf, mm-hmm. and that would have been good. <laughs> yes. That would have been awesome, actually. <laughs> yeah, like, that would have been the better route. Like, there are to so go. many actors who are deaf that yes. would have been perfect. <laughs> yeah, and it's a shame very much that that didn't happen. But it was a fun time. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like yeah. And I, I read that um, the reason why they didn't cast a deaf. Um, actor in the lead role, besides I'm sure the fact that Kate Siegel wanted to play the the, the role, was that in the very end, there is the voiceovers mm. of the main character talking to herself. Um, but there are plenty of people who are deaf who are verbal. Like, not yeah. every deaf person is nonverbal. Um, and so, like, you could have had a deaf person speak that. Um, yeah. You could have even had Kate Siegel do the voiceover if you yeah. really wanted to, you know? But she even, the main character said that the voice in her head, her head sounded her like mom's. her mom. Yeah, yeah. it was literally So you could have just like, had yeah, the mom speak. They yeah. said it wasn't even her voice. Right. Like, yeah. So, like, there's no reason not to cast a deaf actor yeah. in that role. Yeah. And I, my even wife if, wanted to do it. Yeah, he was definitely like, right. I gotta get yeah. the black <laughs> rights for my wife. But, like, the way, like, deaf 
deafness is talked about in the film is like not super great either. Like I completely agree with you that like it, she had agency, she was powerful. Like it's not often that you see a woman, much less a woman with a disability, being able to to fill that space. Um, but you know, like she talked about her deafness and she said like isolation happened to me. I didn't pick it. And she was obviously mm. talking about her deafness. Um, you see, she's a an author and on the. Um, the uh, author bio of the book, I forget the exact language, but it's a little bit ableist talking about how she was like stricken with deafness at a very young age mm. and how something was taken from her, et cetera. And there's that, that weird part in the middle where um, the serial killer says that like, oh, well she's deaf, so she couldn't have called 911. Yeah. Does he think that deaf people can't call 911? <laughs> like, well, yes. <laughs> like 911 doesn't exist for deaf people? Because it does, I promise. <laughs> yes. I also, I also picked that because it was like, I wrote that down. Like, deaf people can call 911. Because <laughs> I, like I was like, there's something wrong with this premise. Like, immediately when she, like, I was like, what? And, like, both, because it's, like, it's the killer talking to the boyfriend John, who right. came up. And he's like, yep, that sounds truth. Right. <laughs> I was like, why? Why don't you know? Like, what do you, I was like, why wouldn't she have called? I was like, that's not an app, like... Accurate. Like, you didn't need that conversation right. at all. Lennon 1 is for everyone but the deafies. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> you know? screw them. And, like, if we were, if we were reaching, we're reaching for little little pieces of grass of optimism or whatever. Else. Yeah. Straws. I don't know what the phrase is anymore. <laughs> sure. Um, maybe they were trying to show how many people just don't understand what it is to be deaf, but I know no, that that's, that's not that's what they were generous. doing. That's right? very generous. I know that that's not what they were doing. <laughs> Mike's like, trying for On you. Twitter later, Mike would be like, you know, I was just saying, Mike, like, I, I really wanted just... to show that, like, um, that they, like, really don't understand what it is to be deaf. And it's like, you know how, like, you, you always say about the people who, like, have a critique or they're saying, like, is this why you did this? And they're like, yeah. Yeah, oh, that yeah, sounds good. Yeah, yeah yes. that sounds like a they great reason. So yeah, reason. that's what it was. You're leading the witness. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I kind of like, and, and I, I enjoy Kate Siegel as an actress, mm-hmm. um, but this is like, when I think I was like, oh, she's also in Haunting of a Hill House where she plays a queer woman. And so just like, what a, and again, it comes down to that thing, like we can't shake her and be like, what is your orientation? Um, but it's also like, I like what are we what are we doing out here, Kate? Like Mike, why are you doing this? Why put your wife out here in these roles? Um so She's yeah. a very good actress. She is a very great actress. Put representation like, come on with now. the people, the things with the stuff. Or like it just feels like tourism. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're just trying it on. Right. Um just and and it and it's for like the kicks, right? It's just like for a film that's strangers, but it's death. Like that's literally right. what it is it's for that punchline, right? Um, there was also the issue I had was that her phone uh, one was on the ringtone. The ringtone <laughs> on her phone. And I was like, why is it not on vibrate? And then it was vibrate, but I was yeah, like, why doesn't she have the flash? The flash thing was annoying. It did when she flipped it over, but that was like later. Long time. Because I was just like, this is the one time where it's applicable because there's so many people who have the flash on. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, yes, you don't need this. Absolutely. It's like, I was like, this is the one time I would allow it. <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah. that, in the first scene, they were like, oh, that was a really good scene. We don't want to get rid of it. We'll just add it in later. <laughs> and then like in the later scene, they show the flash and they show the yeah. vibrating. But the first That's scene, the, they did the, not. The, just honestly, the just the fact that there was a ringtone didn't right. make any sense. There shouldn't, yeah. like, in what world would she need that? Also, she was completely quiet um, 
Yes, that also bothered me. And, yeah, and so like nonverbal doesn't mean that you make no sounds. Like deaf people are actually known for being very loud people. Yeah. You know, they quite literally can't hear themselves and there's vocalizations that they make. Um, and and they're known as very like loud people who take up a lot of space. Like thank goodness that they are, you know. Um, yeah. That's a good thing. Um, but yeah, she was completely silent. Yeah. Um, it didn't make any sense. And I think in the back of the the her bio, her author bio, it said something about like her vocal cords were paralyzed. Yeah. Forget the term, mm-hmm. or something like that. But that it still wouldn't mean that you would make no noise. Yeah, I think know? they try to cop it out of her being mute. Like, I think John says it, like, when they're, he's like, oh, yeah, this is my friend's, my girlfriend's friend who's deaf and mute. And then, like, and that's the same conversation yeah. of her being like, she can't call 911. But it's like, what are, why? Yeah. Why? Yeah, I, I did think, I think that the was weird. terminology is nonverbal. I think deaf mute is a little bit of a, a an older term. Nice. Um, Even better, Mike Flanagan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm Mike. <laughs> what are you doing, bud? Uh <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I think, yeah, that's something I, I like turned to Kat and I was like, she's not making any sounds. And I was like, that's really weird. It's like, and that, like, if you've ever like talked to anyone or met anyone who is deaf, like you would know that. So exactly. it's like, did, have, did they not interact did they with not anyone, have anyone? Whole time? Exactly. There was no one on set. There was no one that they, they talked to about how can we make this realistic? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that there, there are a couple details throughout the film that you can really see that there is no deaf people that were involved in this film at all. Mm-hmm. As unlike, opposed to... Unlike... <laughs> um, uh, good segue into A Quiet Place. So A Quiet Place is from 2018. Director John Krasinski... Yes, who was on the, the office. office. Yep, but he, uh, now he's an action bod dad now. Yeah, no, he was just like <laughs> Jim. <laughs> Jim, who shirt rips open. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole moment. He's the Jim now. <laughs> <laughs> I am Jim now. Um, in a post-apocalyptic world, a family is forced to live in silence while hiding from monsters with ultra-sensitive hearing. And the exciting part of this. Uh, is that there is a deaf character in the film who is actually deaf in real life. Yes. And, like, spoilers, saves the day. She does. And and in ways that are outside of even her disability. Like, so there's a whole plot in in what I was kind of hinting at before um, in regards to, like, using their disability as, like, the, the... finish in touch for your heroes is that her uh, hearing aid um, causes this really high frequency that disrupts the and like um, harms these creatures right but even regardless of that situation she's a hero in and of itself and her own turmoil happens to just be from like actual real life stuff yeah, <laughs> like she's her, just the best character just, in the whole film yes. first of all yes and yeah. the, the actress's name is uh, Millicent Simmons I believe is that yes. correct that's yeah. such a cool name yes. Yes. such a cool name yeah <laughs> definitely love she's cool name. She yeah. a cool name she's oh, a thank cool you. name um, yeah, it's interesting because, uh, oddly enough, she has a, a, cock- a cochlear implant, and they don't provide feedback, but hearing aids provide feedback. Oh. So, if you're watching this movie and this uh, this scenario happens in real life and you have a cochlear implant, don't think that it'll work the exact same way in the film. If you have a hearing <laughs> aid, it might work the exact same way. <laughs> what I see, 
we get a little and we lose a little. Uh, I, but <laughs> I will say with this is that um, because we have this actress, it is um, profoundly better, right? So for one, um, everyone on set was learning ASL, ASL to talk to her, right? Um, it also was like uh, a, a real like win in the film in the fact that like this really is like her superpower. In, so, to, like, in the fact, like, in a world where you cannot communicate with your words, ASL is perfect, right? So it makes me kind of think of um, kind of, like, certain Afrofuturist, like, books. So there's, like, a short story that um, someone somewhat local had written where there was, like, this uh, disease because of the sun. It was too much. So then it was, like, people who were darker and melanin, and melanin mm-hmm. were... Uh, able to go outside whereas white people were not able to go outside and that's what I was thinking I was like in this world like she is the best equipped character like it kind of like for everyone else she's not because she can't hear if someone else makes sound or if she made a sound to attract them but when it comes to communicating um she's already like leagues ahead and this family is fearless yes she is ready to go out and learn how to do all the skills learn how to catch the fish learn how to put everything together and it's her family that's holding her down because they think because well i assumed it was because of a disability it may have been because she like may have been responsible for her brother's death i don't know Yeah, but I loved yeah. I loved the scene when the the father um, is trying to get her to wear the cochlear implant, and she's like, "No, I don't want to. It doesn't work." And there's this is this great uh, sort of like fight, not really a fight fight between them, but he keeps on trying to get her to wear it, and she doesn't want to. And it's so representative of the history of deaf people of hearing people trying to make them to abandon sign language to learn oralism uh, to tr- like to try to be anything that they aren't to try and be quote-unquote normal mm-hmm. and they just want to be themselves you know um like you you see kind of all the time um this was actually a, a little bit of a learning experience for me actually maybe a year ago i read this article about this man in kenya this young man in kenya who had created these gloves that would translate um, hand signs into um, verbal language mm. and I was like oh this is so cool people can communicate better you know and I sent them sent the article to my deaf friends and every single one of them was like this is not what we want yeah we do not want to assimilate to hearing culture we don't want to somehow you know make it easier to like, like we want you guys to an ASL we want you guys to interact with us you know yeah. why are we always the ones who have to like, compromise yeah. our language and our culture yeah uh, buy it, these expensive gloves yeah, so buy, that exactly. you can hear me yeah. like exactly yeah. you know like or you can just respect my culture and it is a culture you know when people like write out deaf they have a capital d deaf you know because mm-hmm. it is a culture um and it's 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 so much more than I think many hearing people assume it is. Um, and so I just really loved that scene when her standing up for her for herself and be like, no, I don't need to hear. I don't need to be like you. I don't need to have this thing attached to me. And no shade to people who are deaf who have cochlear implants. It's one yeah. of those things that's completely you know based on someone's preference. Um, but what, when something is forced upon somebody that's obviously not okay yeah um and so the fact that she stood up for her own agency and said no i don't want this was such an amazing scene for me yeah and it was a lot of like the relationship with her and her father was a big part of what yeah like it was just a fan 
family drama, really, it, with the backdrop of, like, yeah, monsters will come and kill you, right? Um, but it was really, like, he is trying in the way that he thinks he can, so he's trying to fix this implant, and that's, like, how he represents his love for her. When he could have just been, like, let me teach you how to fish, right. and let me make you, like, help you become just an adult, <laughs> right? And so I think that's where, um, that's, like, a... a classic story that we see and it was done such a natural and beautiful way and one thing that I found uh, in researching this um, was this term uh, death gain which is coined by Dirksen Bauman and Joseph J. Murray uh, and I got this from an article called How 2018 Horror Explored Disability and Represented It for the Better and it's uh, Marissa Mirabai who's actually like works alongside Kristen Lemon. <laughs> I love her. Uh, um, but <laughs> it's essentially that um, deaf gain encompasses the myriad ways in which both deaf people and society at large have benefited from the experience of deaf people in sign language throughout history. So even just thinking like me and Kat were talking about how um, we watch everything with subtitles. Yes, everything. And I feel like if I go somewhere and there's no subtitles on it, I'm like, what? what is happening? Yeah. I can't yeah. do this anymore. I can't focus. I, like, I, I'm not deaf, but I, like, don't hear very well. Accessibility nice, is good for everyone, as it turns nice. out. Yeah, yeah accessibility cool. is good for everyone. Yeah. It's it, a good time. It just, it's just augmented with the, the closed captions, you know? Yeah, I love yeah. when it says, like, steamy music or, like, funky yeah. beat comes on. It's like, all right, yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oftentimes, they'll, like, it'll say something. It'll be, like, like a, a phrase will come up, and I'm like, no one said that. Like, I didn't hear that. What, yeah, where did that come from? I missed it if it was in a closed captions. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, I yeah the, and and I remember um, from the the training with you was that there's so many ways that when we make things accessible, it's not just for like the disabled community, it's for everyone. It benefits everyone. But <laughs> I'll I'll tell you how low the bar is for disability in horror films, but particularly um, deafness. There was the movie The Silence that came out with the little girl from Mad Men. Um, but the quote-unquote sign language that they used was complete gibberish. What? It wasn't actual sign language. It was made-up signs, so they thought, they thought that hearing audience would understand what the signs meant. But it wasn't <laughs> sign language. It was okay. complete gibberish to anyone who is deaf or anyone who speaks ASL. Like, that is, so just the fact that they were using proper ASL in both of these films. Yeah, we're like, we're like already like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. So I think um, this film was definitely great. Um, you know, there's, there's things in it, but it was really decent. I was very worried because <laughs> people <laughs> loved it so much. And Kat and I watched it late. Like, we didn't watch it immediately. And we were like like unreasonably late for people who have a horror podcast and I was yes, like oh man I was like if we watch this and then we're sad I'm gonna be real upset <laughs> like I don't and it was so good and I felt that same way about hereditary so mm -hmm. it was just like oh good <laughs> there are still some good fun rides and this one was so great and like the way that like you know I was reading into like the way that you know they frame the main character and yeah. and like to kind of present her but how um there was a really great quote again and then I'll, I'll leave it at that uh 
by the same woman uh, where it says, by the time the audience learns that Reagan is deaf, she is a multifaceted character harnessing the responsibilities of being the oldest sibling and her lack of hearing is not merely a plot device, but a part of who she is. Reagan's impairment isn't fetishized as her storyline is complex and not solely defined by a disability. This portrayal strays from evoking mere pity, instead requiring Reagan to earn her redemption as he, she consistently tries to prove her capability by volunteering to accompany her dad and learning survival tactics when her younger brother is reluctant to do so. So, yeah, it's all the things that we said, right? She's a person. <laughs> She's yeah. not just... A deaf person, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like she's not the deaf person for this story, so that we can have a like loose plot. <laughs> yeah, and I think like beyond challenging ableist norms, I think she even challenges gender norms in her yes. family. Uh, the family is oddly socially conservative. Like yeah. the mom is literally barefoot and pregnant most of the time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Um, oh. and, and, you know, the mom never really advocates for her daughter. She always is sort of, like, demure to her husband, very, like, supportive of the husband, never mm-hmm. really says anything, doesn't have a ton of opinions, <laughs> you know. And, like, Emily, what are you and doing? And Reagan is just like, no, I want to learn. I am a human being. Like, I am powerful. Yeah. I am vulnerable. I, I am everything that a human being is, you know. Like, let, let me, me, yeah, let let me, me be. Let exactly. me be a human here. Yeah, and like even Y'all still could like benefit from some more human happening. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You could. Yeah. My brother's not gonna do it. Let me do it. Yeah. The other one. Sorry. <laughs> You're out here traumatizing this little boy. I want to go. Like, what do you mean? I do love the part where he's like, "I'm scared." The mom said, "There's nothing to be scared of," and he's like, "Of course there is." Like, <laughs> what what do you mean? Those monsters? There's plenty of things to be afraid of. <laughs> like even nowadays, I'd be like, "What do you mean? Have you been outside?" Yeah, I think. It's, and I, I will say, like, what I found really great that's, like, complete opposition from most of the films that we've seen um, with a disabled character is, like, her real, like, internal battle isn't, like, who am I and how do I fit into society? It's um, my brother died because <laughs> I wasn't able to save him, and so I feel responsible for that. And then I also feel like my family judges me and is blaming me as well which is like that's a human thing she's just doing that instead of just being like will I ever like (laughs) I don't know find my place in this world despite who will love me I'm deaf yeah yeah. (laughs) I'm pretty but I'm deaf (laughs) what I know I'm pretty for a deaf girl but who will love (laughs) me you know what a crazy Oh, no. <laughs> the world is a horrible, ugly place. <laughs> yes. Feelings. Yeah, feelings. Yeah, feelings. Yeah, I said feelings. Let's talk about feelings. Okay. Nothing about us without us, which is a great phrase that Pascal just taught us. Excellent. Which is uh, I've I have just decided that, just is saying. the the tagline for every single episode in this series. Nothing <laughs> about us without us. Yeah, like that's literally what we've been saying this whole time in a nice, fun phrase. We're not asking that much. It's not a radical agenda. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. like don't write stories that aren't yours. Right. <laughs> write what you know. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if you don't like it, it's, 
You are beautiful, no matter what they say. Words can't bring you down. Oh, oh, oh. oh nice. <laughs> uh, I gotta sing it. And that was to Leatherface. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Just like anyone who's going to, it has to be a villain in a movie because they have a disability. Yes. No yeah. one, like, so it's also, they're great. It's, it's so often a marker of being a villain. Yeah, that's it's like a, Captain Hook to Doctor Strangelove to Scar from Lion King. Like society yeah. doesn't define you. Yeah, it's just like as soon as they show up, you're like, oh, I know what this is, right? right? The same thing like what mental illness we're saying. Yeah. If someone discloses that they have bipolar right. disorder or schizophrenia, we're like, oh, Whole this explains everything, I guess. I guess. For the topic of um, how disability has been shown in horror films over the history of the world. Until now. And we can have a mixed review, because there's some good and there's some bad, what we found, right? How are we feeling? I'm glad that we made <laughs> it. It's mostly bad. Yeah, it's definitely mostly bad. It's, yeah. it's yeah. recently being like, oh, cool. Yeah. Like, the bar is so low. Uh, yeah. The no, bar is really... so low. Yeah. You know. Um, how about for Hush? Um, Hush, I don't know. It's bad, man. Um, it's fun, but... Yeah, I think there was enough things that were lacking. I don't know. It just felt very... It would have made such a difference if it was a deaf actress that was playing the lead or if there's any evidence that they <laughs> yeah. like, talked to a deaf person. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. You know? Um, it just seemed... It just seemed like no one involved in the movie had ever spoken to a deaf person before. Yeah. So, and, like, if they did, not a lot. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, the research is not extensive enough. Like, they did a little. They didn't like, do yeah. what they needed to do. Yeah. They, yeah. Like, they, a lot of the ASL wouldn't even been considered correct because there was no expressions in the yeah. face. So it wouldn't even been considered proper ASL. Yeah. yeah. I think it's kind of, like... Do the research. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's kind of like what we were saying, like with um, what keeps you alive, right? Is that we one, we don't know if the writer is bisexual or not. She is married to a man, so we don't know, right? But it was this idea that they were very intentional. Like mm -hmm. they were like, we are telling this story, so we want to make sure we are telling it as, as well as we are able to. Whereas I feel like Hush is not doing that. It was just like, this is kind of fun. It's a fun twist right. on the old tale of home invasion instead of being like, who is this person? Can we have a person that's our character instead of just a plot? Right. But, yeah. yeah. Um, what about for A Quiet Place? A Quiet Place, I really think they did really well. Um, you know, the ASL was largely spot on. I think there were a couple times when it was a little bit literal for a hearing audience. Mm. Um, like, there was a couple times when the dad said, another time, and when he signed, I have always loved you, it was very word for word rather mm. than meaning for meaning, which is how ASL and English is, is translated. But for the most part, I think you could really tell the difference between actually having deaf people in the conversation and in the creative process um, as opposed to Hush. So I, I, don't know, I, I would give Quiet Place a, a higher mark for sure. Yeah. Yeah. At least a B plus. At least a B plus. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. We they still passed. got room, right? To grow. Yeah, always. they passed for sure. They <laughs> passed for sure. Yeah. And I mean I'll I'll be watching that the two Chucky films. Yeah. Uh to see what's going on with that because I, I got really excited. 
<laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. Check out the silence if you want to hate watch something. Yes, <laughs> uh, we do like doing that. Well, um, thank you so much, Pascal, for thank joining us. Thank you so us. much. I had so much fun. <laughs> thank you, guys. You're real yeah. dope. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think it's been very, very helpful. Um, you know, one, to... I'm just excited that we're getting to cover these topics that we've like we've encountered along the way. We're like, wait, we know this is messed up, but this isn't like this episode isn't where we're gonna do it, right? So it's just like let's just make an entire episode where we do it. Um, and I think it's it's nice sometimes to see where we're making progress, and it, it yeah. makes me feel better um, as opposed to like watching things. I mean, like we're just, it's mess. Burn it all, burn it all down. <laughs> we don't need movies anymore. Well, if our listeners, yes, yeah, so, uh, if our listeners want to reach you, one they can email us as always at thegoolsnextdoor at gmail .com and just be like, "This is for Pascal," and I will forward it to her but also if anyone wants to get in touch with you what are some ways they can do so yeah so definitely check out liberty resources again it's the center for independent living in philadelphia our website is libertyresources.org definitely check out philadelphia adapt chapter um adapt is a nationwide uh, collective of, of activist groups. Philly is known as being the you know most aggressive and oldest. That's yes. how we do in Philly. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, we meet at Liberty Resources the first Wednesday of every month. Um, so if you want, you can um, email the ladies at Ghouls Next Door. You can email me at pascalvalet at libertyresources.org. Um, yeah, definitely check us out. Also <laughs> yeah. on Instagram, Facebook, etc. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I hope you enjoy this episode, and uh, don't, don't get married, get married delete, delete your, your kids. kids. Yeah.